hello and welcome hello and welcome hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 31 on the Sight and Sound list, Shoah. Lord Lansman's nine-and-a-half-hour epic documentary interviewing survivors, witnesses, and perpetrators of the Holocaust. Our second, third, and fourth films this week are German schlockmeister Uwe Boll's Nazi trilogy, Blood Rain the Third Reich, Loverella, and Auschwitz. Three movies, one set. One set. One set. One set. One set. I've just checked my letterboxed stats for the year. Yeah. My uh, 20th most watched director, Uwe Boll, three films. Right down at the bottom of my most watched directors, it's Uwe Boll, Joanna Hogg, Carol Russopoulos, Ridley Scott. I mean, I've got to get Boll out of there. Hey, Finn. Hey, Uwe. How you going? Uh, I'm going okay. Like. I'm in a great mood because we're in the same room again. Yeah, I am uh, talking into a proper microphone for the first time in four months. Oh, take that. The the microphones in Finn's computer, you're shaming them. you garbage. You did nothing for me. There's an engineer somewhere in Cupertino who just had a shiver go down their spine. I was, yeah, it is so hard to talk about Shoah. I it, even feel it, it is. I feel so bad for even attempting to set up the bit of like, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> Let's talk about Shoah, mm. a sad film. Uh, yeah, Shoah, nine and a bit hours mm. of oh, some of the most uh, upsetting uh, interviews ever captured on film. Yeah, uh, uh, about a really bad event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, how can some, I make some pre- uh, brutal B-roll in this film? <laughs> well, what are you thinking of specifically there? Just the like shots of of extermination camps that have been torn down by the Nazis at the end of the war to try and like hide their crimes, and now all all that exists is like a few stone outlines of buildings where hundreds of thousands of people died. Yeah, and just like one man with a camera trying to capture something about about this space before it is fully forgotten by time as like snow starts to fall on yeah. it just 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 burying what little remains of the evidence of maybe the greatest crime ever committed and it's like man it just it's it's a fucking bummer i yeah what i'm about to say is a matter of degrees when i say the bit that really got me it's not like for for nine hours and twenty minutes of this film, I was stone faced. <laughs> I was just sitting there. You saw, I was just listless. I was wet. Come on, come on, we get, get it. Get, get to the good stuff. Get, get to the good stuff. Now, um, is is when uh someone, a survivor of the Warsaw Ghetto, uh, was talking about uh when uh, uh, uh it was just being starved out at, at the end of the war, towards the end of the war. Uh, um, and he broke out into, to Warsaw 
and just regular life in Warsaw was going on. Yeah. And, and Lensman, Claude Lensman directed it, in case you didn't listen to Finn's intro, I guess. Oh, who who does? I, I do. Like, a lot, a lot. <laughs> I, um, It's the bit I edit the most. <laughs> and uh, what Lensman puts under that, as is convention throughout the film, obviously, Shoah uh, contains no archival footage. Yeah. Uh, and, and when he, he his B-roll is of those places in, in contemporary terms. Yeah. And, and beyond, you know, Auschwitz and, and Dachau in the cities as well. And so he shows what is then modern life in Warsaw. And it is just modern life in any city, anywhere, people bustling around. And while watching that, all I could think about is is the holocausts that are, we know are happening now yeah. uh, uh, across the world and how I absolutely need to do more things materially to, 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 to stop those things happening. And so I am, I'm here to take a stand and say, if you're considering a genocide, I strongly urge against it. Cut it out. No, I know. I know it's tempting. No, unacceptable jokes. Anyway, when I was writing notes about the film, that juxtaposition of sound and image is maybe the best piece of filmmaking ever in terms of effect. Yeah, and like that is one of the things that like Lanzman is incredible at, is finding what would just, in any other documentary, just be like a normal piece of B-roll, using just like the act of cutting to B-roll as an incredible political statement. Well, and, and the fact that he also, it is not just cover. Mm, yeah. uh, it, it, it is not just covering bad interviews because as, as background for this, I watched after Shoah, he made, uh, three more films and, and a mini series, uh, uh, with footage he shot at the time, uh, at the same time as Shoah over the like five years he shot Shoah. Yeah. And then 10 years of editor. It was something, uh, it's, it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on, I think it was like, I think it was 10 years, 11 years total production. Six years shooting, five years right, editing. Yeah. Something like that. And I watched Visitor for the, from the living, which is the first one of those and is actually kind of, uh, uh like the uh, shower is sound and also you should see shower. Yeah. Yeah. I know everyone is like, yeah, I should. No, but like you should. Yeah. Like you should, like when you've got nine and a half hours or two blocks of four and a half hours, it's four hours and five. It's like four and a half in five. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's into epochs or eras. Um, and, and visitor from the living is, is essentially one interview with one guy. Yeah. And there, there is some B roll in it, but there is so. So little, like much less than there is elsewhere in Shoah. Mm. And, and that is because Landsman understands that in that case, the interesting thing is, is watching this man. It yeah. is like, uh, uh, it's not, yeah, B-roll in documentaries are so often to keep things interesting. Yeah. But no, he is doing them 
for the right reasons to enhance his point. Yeah, like one of my favorite parts of the film is near the end of the second part, there is a very long interview with a guy who was the like second in command of the German commission that like ran the Warsaw Ghetto. Yeah. This guy's introduced with a long panning shot over the rooftops of modern day Berlin while his name and job title comes up underneath. I mean, it cuts to him and he's, he's like an old man. There's this interview of him. But like Landsman makes sure to like start it by like grounding you in fact, like this guy is alive in our present. This guy who, yeah, yeah. who oversaw tens of thousands of people like starved and, 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 and brutalized and like killed with disease in the Warsaw ghetto. He is still alive. He is still here. This, this is not over. He is, he is not interested in like memory. And like Showa is a rejection of, of memory. Yeah. Like memory is about the past. And to Landsman, the Holocaust is not in the past. Mm. It is something that like exists without a like definable beginning or end because the roots of it go back so far, like, like, you know, two, two millennia of European anti-Semitism. And mm. then the like tendrils of it, the people who survived it were still alive at the time. The people who perpetrated it were still alive. Some of them were in, were imprisoned, but got out of it. Mm. You know, right at the end of the first part, Lundsman reads a letter that was sent by someone in charge of one of the camps where people were gassed in trucks. And the person in charge of this camp sent a letter to the German car manufacturer, Saura, uh, saying, these are the specifications we need for a truck which will let us gas people far more efficiently. And this truck was built mm. and delivered. And Lundsman has this letter read out while while the camera is attached to a car driving through a a modern day like industrial park in in in, in Germany. And you 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 are seeing where like chemicals are made. You are seeing where cars are manufactured. And throughout a lot of this, there is a close up on the car they're driving in front of, which is a truck made by that same company, which is a company that still exists. Well, and, and like it, it it it's the cliche, but you know, Fanta. Mm. Yes, yeah. Who were the Volk in the Zwag? Yeah, yeah. Hugo Boss. We like these. These are cliches. Uh, um, the, uh, another bit because, like, if film has a, a recurring joke or uh, or 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 a stunt that has a signature move, yeah. Um, it is Landsman pushing uh, witnesses or perpetrators on their denial mm. uh, because everyone in this film is in some kind of denial all, yeah. all, all of the victims survivors uh, to, to um, kind of talk about how uh, uh, they just don't think about it yeah uh, uh, many several of the interviews start with being like this is the only time I've ever spoken about um and, and but like, because he, he interviews maybe or in the film, like you know, eight to ten, like, let's say people who were in some way responsible. Sure, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. right. Uh, like, like there are a couple who, uh, who were like guards, yeah. and moved bodies, and we'll 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 talk about that in a bit. But like, um, and they're always they always have an excuse as to why it was not their fault. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he always challenges them on it. And like the, the magic of it is that they each have a totally different response. Uh, none of which 
is to accept that they are in denial. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like the example I think of is there was a guy who was in charge of the train, who was the bureaucrat in charge of scheduling trains, yeah. including trains uh, uh, to the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp. Uh, uh, and it's like, but you know it was going there full and leaving empty. And it's like, nah, did I know? Did I know it was empty? Or maybe I just want to notice it's just a massive just a massive stuff, you know? I yeah. just I was too busy just thinking about the train. And his other big thing in these sections is leaving that interview and going to interviews with a Holocaust historian called Raoul Hilberg. Yeah. Who is this guy who just fucking rocks. Yeah. He, he's he's this like forty five year old Jewish academic with big glasses. He looks like a Michael Stuhlbard character. Yeah. It's great. In the interview with the train guy, and the interview with the guy who oversaw the Warsaw ghetto, Lansman basically just gets sick of these guys after a while. Yeah. Just cuts away from the interview and go and goes to Raoul Hilberg just explaining in incredibly precise detail. No, like here are the train schedules. Here is what this guy would have seen and signed off on. Here we can see it is going to Treblinka full. It is leaving yeah. empty. Just laying it out there so perfectly. Yeah. I mean, like cutting back to the denial. And that thing that like pushing people on denial, mm. uh, you know, so much ink has been spilt on Shoa. Yeah. The film, obviously. And the event. Uh, <laughs> I feel it's underreported World War II. Um, uh, no, uh, well, luckily, Uwe Boll's trying to change that. Yeah, we'll get to that. We will get to that. And, um, but, but what Landsman does by focusing on those specifics, those specifics of denial, and, and he also, like, the other structural game of the film, not not stru- not structural game, sorry. Uh, and the other like big creative decision is that he leaves all translation in. Yeah, and, and things are subtitled when landsmen can understand them. So in English, French, or German. So when people are speaking Yiddish, Hebrew, um, or, Czech, Lithuanian, or Polish, yeah, uh, 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 it is not subtitled. They speak to a translator who translates. And that is subtitled. And, and then Landsman will speak, and and then the translator will translate what he is saying yeah. back to the person. And, and there is a there's a bit of streamlining that, but it is like a lot of this film is watching people wait to be heard, yeah, or uh, uh, speaking and you can't understand them. And, and it is like the thing the thing that pushed me away from Shoah, apart from the fact that. People have accurately described it as one of the most depressing events you can put yourself through. Um, uh, it, it, it was that knowledge because I was like, the thing is, my my thought about Shoah going into this was like, I know there will be horrific things in this. I know it will be incredibly worthy. But this film's going to be boring as yeah. well, right? And it is absolutely not. Yeah, part of the like, great idea that Landsman had was just to like interview so many fucking people. Like he, like yeah. he, he shot well over a hundred hours on, on this film. And so that allows him to create a nine hour film of people who are entirely charismatic and interesting and good storytellers and like good on camera. Or, or, or when they aren't it, like it's all compelling. Yeah. And, and, and he also like his skill, the craft skill of when he chooses to leave those moments. Yeah. In is that they become like aesthetic or 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 metaphorical like the the thing i 
was not ready for is how uh, contemporary this film is, how mm. much this film, oh, like, like not even in the, like what I said before, there are holocausts going on now, but like just how it is about how we lie to ourselves, how we can't, how we cannot be hurt. Yeah. How, when you go through trauma, whether small or large, kind of the story distorts you. Yeah. And that only comes because like Landsman, as well as being an incredible interviewer and fucking tenacious. Yes. Oh, so fucking tenacious. I'm a visitor from the living that, that interview, he just showed up at that guy's house <laughs> with a camera. Like, uh, uh, there, there's a bit in the first part where, where he wants to interview a guy who's working at a bar. And so you just get a section of him pestering a guy yeah, at a bar. Yeah, there's, there's like a guy who who was who was like a former Nazi who who yeah. was like a guard at one of the camps, and 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 now has just been working as a bartender for the last like twenty years. Yeah, and, and Landsman just like shows up at his fucking job with a camera, and and and, and just like will not let him leave until he answers Landsman's questions. And yeah. like the first person that Landsman interviewed for Shower was a Holocaust survivor named Abraham Bomber. And he's not shown until like five or six hours in, but uh, he was the first guy that Lunsman got. So Lunsman found out about this guy in like the early 70s, and all he knew about Abraham Bomber is he was a Holocaust survivor, he was a hairdresser, and he now lived in New York. And so what Lunsman did is he went to New York and walked around to every barbershop he could find and just said, do you know Abraham Bomber? And eventually someone was like, yeah, I know him. And so Lunsman went to his house. And said, "Hey, I want to, I want to put you in a movie." And Bomber said, "Yeah, I, I will, I will do that." And Lansman said, "Great, I'm going to go away. I'm going to get the funding, and I'm going to get the cam. I'm going to get cameras and lighting and sound equipment. And I'll come back." And so Lansman came back a few years later, and uh, Bomber had moved. That money thing is part of his tenacity because this project. Uh, 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 he was originally commissioned by the Israeli government. Yeah. Uh, and you can see that because, uh, uh, as a neutral statement, uh, uh, this film focuses on the fat, on, on the Jewish victims of the host, yes. like of, of the shower. Yes. Uh, 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 which excludes, uh, a lot, a lot of other people. Yeah. Uh, uh they, they took out. Uh, um, but the relationship with the Israeli government did not last. He ended up being funded from a bunch of sources, and it seems like he would go out and film, run out of money, then find another co-pro partner yeah. to chuck him some money to keep going, yeah. and, and, and on for 11 years. Yeah. So, yeah, he goes back to New York, finally secured the funding, and Abraham Bomber has moved to Israel. So he goes to Israel and he does the same fucking thing again. He goes to the barber shops and he just asks, like, do, do, like, who knows Abraham Bomber? Until finally someone says, yeah, like, he, he, he lives over there. And, and so Lansman goes to Bomber's house, shows up with a camera and says, Hey, I'm ready to start filming. And Bomber's like, great. Come on in. Let's start. And, uh, when he, uh, uh, a couple of two, two concentration camp guards he interviews and, and one other, a Nazi, well, maybe former Nazi he interviewed, uh, would agree to audio interviews for money. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so he was like, yes, 
uh, but secretly filmed them. Mm. Uh, they they are refer- they they are filmed on like little, you know, seventies eighties wireless tech. Yeah. So they look like they are caught in a snowstorm, and he he shows us this by filming the TV screen, uh, uh, capturing the footage, including. Uh, uh, when waves of distortion go across it, yeah. So he, he there, there is a like black and white TV which, which is playing the video feed, and then he is filming the video feed with a with a film camera. And yeah, it, it is it is there's like incredible image of the like links these men have gone to 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 like hide and disguise themselves. Yeah, and there is like one particular interview with one former guard. Where there is this like black band of distortion just across his eyes, oh, and it is, um, like, uh, it was what what one of the like great accidents in film. Oh, uh, and that black band of distortion is not even you wouldn't have been able to see that because mm. it, it's the roller, it, it's the lines that happen when you point a film camera at a video yeah. source, uh, and but like that, like those sequences for me like show like the 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 thing that landsman that makes show a great rather than worthy which is that he just fucking knows his craft like he can like he's tenacious enough to get those interviews how he fucking pushes those guys in those interviews uh uh, is like compelling and interesting and like this is such a bleak statement but like you learn new depressing things about the Holocaust. <laughs> you really, really do. Uh, uh, if you thought you knew all the really sad details of the Holocaust. Think again, Buster. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> um, but it is that, like, he knows that, like, he knows how to put a film together. Mm. Because this film is, yeah, nine and a half hours. It feels like three maybe four like it's it is a long film it yeah it's a long film it is a slow film but it feels like a much shorter slow film than it is well and there's no point when you're like uh you'd cut you'd cut this yeah 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 come on yeah we don't come on and even when it has these long like uh 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 very early on the the first person we meet is uh, 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 someone who survived, fuck, who survived being executed by the Nazis. Yeah, survived a bullet through the head. Yeah, he he. he uh, uh, I don't I don't uh, uh, figure out what, what like which specific camp that was because yeah, that that's important to know. Um, uh, but he he uh, 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 there there is this maybe one minute long shot of him walking. And it is just him, and it is it, uh, Landsman talks about having talked him into finally returning for the first time yeah. to to this place, and he he's looking around, he's kind of nervous, but but remembering, but also not quite remembering, and looking at the camera a couple of times, <laughs> but then, but it it is. Oh, yeah, okay. But you wouldn't cut it, yeah, because it then builds to this moment of him, like, because he's searching this place for things he recognised with, with kind of both fear and trepidation, and it builds to this moment of him being like, "Oh yeah, yeah, 
It, it was here they burned the bodies. Yeah. It's peaceful. It was always this peaceful. And you're like, show is full of so many lines where you're like, oh, uh, uh, writing is pointless. <laughs> you know, like what? That man's called Simon Srebnik. And yeah, he, he, he is one of the two known survivors of a Helmo extermination camp. Uh, roughly 400,000 people went in there. Two of them came out. He is one of them. Uh, and he survived. Because the bullet, the bullet missed the vital parts of his brain. Yeah, as um, as as the Nazis were, were as as the Nazis were abandoning the camp, they just like decided to shoot all of the remaining prisoners. And yeah, it just went in like the wrong part of his head, and he managed to crawl into a ditch and was was found. And he is the most like confronting example of this. But but a a, a thing that the Landsman does a lot in this movie is he convinces people to recreate their experience of a holocaust yeah and this man simon he was brought to the camp when he was 13 years old and the reason that he survived so long is because he had a nice singing voice and so the nazis kept him around so they could hear him singing and he was like good at running so he won the like the races that the guards would force the, the would 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 force the prisoners into and one experience he mentions is being put in a boat and like rowed up the river by some of the guards and, and he would have to sing as they were rowing. They would row up to a certain point of a river and dump out uh, sacks of, uh, of uh, uh, crushed up bones of the people who had been cremated. Mm. And, uh, and they, they also went to collect alfalfa to feed the, the rabbits. Yeah. And so like right at the beginning of the film, Landsman gets this guy in the same sort of boat that he was in, you know, like 30 years earlier and rows him up the river while this man sings the, like sings the songs he, he used to be forced to sing by Nazis. It is just incredible. And later on in the film, Lundsman talks to people who, who like lived around the area of the camp and, and he, he like asks all of them, do you remember the Jewish boy who used to sing on the river? And every single one of them was like, yeah, of course. Mm. Like none of those people have ever have like ever forgotten about him. Uh, and that image of him him singing, it it is like obviously incredibly sad. Mm. But but another thing Landsman understands is is something that is now uh, uh, horrifically a cliche. But like th- this film is the urtext on the mundanity of evil. Yes. In uh, the we we another of the big recreations is, is uh, one of the men who runs the train, and he uh, we we get him who who ran the trains. He he was a Polish man who was essentially forced to. He was drunk the whole time, uh, and the 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 this of him looking out of a train. Yeah, just like anyone looking out of a train, um. Just being so boring to some guy, you know, and, and it, it, like, it could, we know why this is horrific. Yeah. But otherwise would be boring. And, and, and like, yeah, he just, Lensman just, like, he gets it and expresses it. Yeah. So, like, like, I, I guess, like, the thing I want to, like, praise it for is its craft, right? Mm. Like, because, like, the other interesting thing is that it is a non-linear film. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, it kind of each, uh, of the two halves covers kind of two subjects. Like, uh, 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 the second half starts with a, a bunch of stuff about like the administration of the Nazis. Yeah. And then ends with a section on the Warsaw Ghetto. Yes. A- and the first half, it starts with a, a section uh, uh, about that camp and several other camps and then moves into like, like a, a, a description of what the, the, the machinery of death yes. uh, in those camps, how they were able to, to mechanize, uh, mass killing. In a way that they say is unprecedented, uh, uh, and I only say they say because, uh, like, we, the East India Company, uh, uh, talk, talk to, uh, Native Americans, you know, like that, that, uh, um, and it, and the way it moves through those, it, 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 you would expect it. Because when you've got so many players, it talks to so many people, there are so many strands, you would be like, you'd kind of start at the beginning and go to the end. Yeah. You know, you start with, oh, hi, where were you when Poland was invaded and ending with, where were you when you, uh, uh, Hitler had shot himself. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't. It's connections, the way it moves through the war. Like you're saying, because saying the war is a linear event is a lie. Yeah. He does it in like thematic ways and, and he uses like themes and ideas and kind of almost associational ways to, to build and release tension. Yeah. To keep you captivated. And it took five years to edit this film and. Like, you absolutely understand why. The copy of Showa that we watched comes from the Eureka video box set Showa and Four Films After Showa by Claude Lanzmann, which is a massive collection of, like, Lanzmann's most important films and has a has an almost 300-page booklet to, to, to go along with it. Not, I mean, it's not a booklet at that point. It's a, it's a book. It's, yeah, it's a book. I am not a decision maker. More than anything, I hate decision makers with all my heart. I call them decision killers because to decide is to kill. Um, and there's uh, what, what, one of the, the, the most French things anyone's ever said. When I prepared my diploma in philosophy long ago, I wrote about the concept of possibility and non-compossibility in Leibniz's philosophy. What is non-compossible are two things which are not possible together at the same time. This means one has to dream and to imagine the other life. If you choose one woman, you cannot choose another. Well, you can, but you are really in trouble. <laughs> Great job, Claude. I think that if one asks, what is art? I would answer that art for me is precisely to examine the possible and not to make hasty decisions. It happened to me to be stuck for days or even weeks during the construction of Showa, because I'm a stubborn man. It happened to me during the editing of a film to be stuck and to decide that I would stop until I could find the proper way. And there were not several ways, there was only one. But in order to access this unique way, one had to examine all the possibilities and to give every possibility its own chance. This means that it was killing work, not only for the possibilities, but for me too. And what Lansman has, has, has also written there is kind of the review of the film, because like, yeah, to watch it, like part of the reason it is so hypnotic, like the weirdest part of watching it was the fact that you don't like, 
uh, I remember, I remember when the switch between pins. Yeah. And then it felt like 10 minutes later, there was an hour left and like half an hour later, there yeah, was yeah. an hour left in the film. The reason it feels like that, like part of it is, you know, the slow cinema thing of your mind, uh, slowly just begins to work slower, <laughs> uh, 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 or quicker. Uh, I don't know. Um, but it is that every thing it goes to every time it changes subject, uh, uh, or every time, every decision of what you see feels like inevitable. It's the only thing that can happen. Yeah. And, and so it feels like something you already know. Like, like part of the horror of the film is how familiar, uh, uh, it seems. Um, and like part of that is because, uh, it, you know, uh, there are a lot of people now. <laughs> anyway, it is kind of annoying because like, oh, like if this film was just a bunch of abuse, it would be worthy as historical record or angle on the Holocaust on Shoah. Yeah. It deserves to exist. It feels greedy that it is also good. You know, like yeah. it feels like Landsman could have chilled a bit there and you know um be like way that people describe this film it sounds like an archive of of like important knowledge yeah but but like which it which, which, which it, it is. is but it is also like i, I think like first and foremost a film yeah. like l- l- like landsman is a filmmaker and he is very concerned with how this looks and how it moves and how it feels yeah and, and like just on like a craft level this has some of the most incredible close-ups you'll ever see yeah and that is partially because, you know, he had like 150 hours of footage to work from. And, you know, he had like middle-aged Eastern European faces, which are always incredible. Yeah. But, but like he, and, but like, and it's this uh, beautiful, sick, grainy 16 yeah. mil. But yeah, just, 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 just like the way he'll like push in on someone's face in just the right way at just the right moment is, is, is like astounding every time he does it. A thing I've been thinking about a lot since we saw it, because we watched it uh, two days ago, is how kind of odd it is that this has not, that this style of documentary making, like, like, obviously there are, there, there are many documentaries that, you know, are are interview heavy like this, but like using a sense of scale uh, uh, of, of, you know, to capture a big event, you need to make a big, a big film it would yeah uh, uh i came into this film being like i i thought one of my takes one of my preloaded takes in my pocket was that landsman got it right uh with the 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 four works that followed the three films in the miniseries and that it always you know like yeah show was good yeah but- you're gonna be one of those people who are like oh the irishman three and a half hours it could have been a miniseries like yeah 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 I, and I do think that about the Irishman. Oh, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, but, but like to convey the horror of that event needs a film that is too big. Yeah. It needs to be so unspeakable and so distorting and so kind of like danced around and also stood right on. Um, it, it is. And it, like the thing that interests me, the thought I've kept why we haven't had shower alike there's not really like 
there someone has made to make work of nine eleven or the war on terror, you know? No. Uh, and, and I presume part of that is a resource thing, and part of that is, is that uh, Nazis uh, uh, have gotten better at uh, not being punished. Um, but you think people would would, would try? Yeah. Uh, you know, the only other documentary I can think of it is like on this scale. Is a film I've not yet seen by Peter Watkins, uh, which is called The Journey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that is, I think something like 16 hours long. It was again, like shot over like 10 years. Mm-hmm. It is Peter Watkins attempt to, to survey the, the like place of nuclear weapons in the world from the end of World War II up until the eighties. And I'm going to hopefully watch that next year. I'm going to finally like finish off all of Watkins films. I'm like excited to see how, how, how like that kind of. Stands up next to next to Shoah. Well, and, and and like Watkins is is uh, has a has a slightly different approach. Yeah, yeah, you know, like a slightly different uh, take on thing. And like, and the the conclusion I came to, um, is that baked into Shoah is is that it is about complicity. In many ways, yeah. is that it is about how, uh, you know, the Holocaust is still happening. And the reason it happened was because of everyone. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, and like, a- and like, like how, like how, how many people knew what was going on? Yeah. Like how, 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 like how, how, how many people were involved in the, in the machinery of it happening? Mm. How, how many people had, had to, had to be, yeah, how how many people had to be had to be collaborators? There is a, a sequence uh, shot on the island of Corfu. Lanzon has a section about all the Jews of Corfu being killed in, in one of the camps. I mean, he goes to Corfu to to like see a bunch of the Holocaust survivors who live there, and uh, he like gets three or four of his men to walk him through the like few days where the like fascists in charge of Corfu decided, okay, like we're going to round up all the Jews, we're taking them to this fortress, and then we're going to take them over here. And some of the people that, that, that like that the, that the survivors mention, they're like two Jewish brothers who 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 were collaborating with the fascists, and they just kind of mention offhandedly, "Oh yeah, after the war, the, 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 those those two were arrested, they were sentenced to life in prison, but they're out now." It's like thirty years after the end of World War Two, and these guys who are responsible for hundreds, if not thousands, of people from this island being slaughtered are just like around. Yeah. And, and like he, he has, there are many controversies around this film. Mm. Uh, but the, the biggest one, uh, that isn't just absolute fucking maniacs <laughs> being like the Holocaust didn't happen. We are like, okay, okay anyway, <laughs> you know, uh, go, no, yeah. you know, go away. Uh, uh, it, it is, is that, that Poland is not a fan uh, yeah. of it. Poland generally does not like it, its portrayal in the film because uh Poland is is, is and, and and by and I think it Lansman's focus on on camps in and around Poland mm. uh, I I don't it does not feel to me intentional but people uh, uh and I think not unjustifiably Think that this film paints Poland as uh, um, 
more active in, in obviously occupied Poland. I yeah. mean, like the Polish peoples. Yeah. Then it is is fair. I per- personally did did think it was like going a bit far when when like Landsman just just like interrupted the film for for like a fifteen minute section where he just stood in front of a red brick a red brick wall for microphone and just did Pollock jokes. <laughs> um. But but anyway, Jonah, which brings me to it, it is finding a negative review of this film. Uh, uh, it feels treacherous. <laughs> uh, um, Pauline Kael, uh famously thought it was both kind of boring and semi-exploitative, and I don't agree. Mm. But I can see the reading of this film is exploitative. Yeah, that this film does such a good job. You know, the, the two or three moments, uh, where people are recounting something horrific mm. and break down in tears. Yeah. Or, uh, and I was like also about to mention that because like it, it is a nine and a half hour long movie about like the worst thing that's ever happened. And there are at most three moments where people break down in tears. I think that shows an incredible amount of restraint on Lansman's part because he knows that like it is not making his point better just to have everyone crying. That's not a good film. That's not, yeah. that's not interesting, but it, we like two main moments that happens are like, uh, are like six and eight hours into the movie. Yeah. You, 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 you have already lived with it for so long, but like before you finally see anyone snap. Well, and it, because it's beyond tears, mm. uh, 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 like it is kind of beyond description. Yeah. Or, or recreation. There's so little scene setting. I ca- those moments are so effective. Yes. And like, yeah, as I said to you, I was like, it must have weird emotionally after filming a lot of these interviews because, you know, as a film crew, admittedly in this case, Claude Lensman, a camera guy and a sound guy, I presume. Like, because you'd have to be like, um, that was, that was heartbreaking. But, but, we, but I think we kind of nailed it. Yeah, no, we did just get one of the most <laughs> compelling pieces of film ever, right? Like, that should, that's <laughs> good, right? Like, it's not, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, man. Yeah, it, it, it it's so hypnotic. But, but anyway, um, uh, this this is this is a negative review uh, by a Polish person on uh, right. letterbox dot com. Jacob Falash he gives it uh, one and a half stars. <clears throat> People burn very well, which is a good. Mm. Uh, uh, it's it's twenty sixteen now, seventy one years after Hitler was defeated. Soon, none of the Holocaust survivors, perpetrators, and witnesses will be alive to tell their stories. Therefore, it is imperative we preserve the history of the greatest crime in history by telling and retelling those stories. We owe it to the victims as well as to ourselves. After all, people who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Shoah wants to be this, the ultimate account of the Holocaust, told exclusively through interviews, lauded as the most important film ever made. And that may very well be, but it only means that the most important film ever made is also disingenuous, biased, and created with a sole aim to indict an entire nation of Poland for alleged complicity 
in mass murder of millions. Uh, soul is a bit heavy. Uh, yes. Yeah, anyway, Claude Landsman thinks himself a historian or a journalist. He is clearly wrong. He is merely a propagandist, a pseudoscientist who researched a subject with a preconceived hypothesis in mind and did everything he could to find results that would fit what he wanted to say and not necessarily reflected the true state of things. It, it does not, this film does not feel like that no, to me, doesn't. but I understand, uh, I understand the hurt. Sure. I understand that. And you, you cannot um, possibly tell me that he couldn't find space in his whole film to present the whole story, not at a 10 hour runtime. He purposefully and spitefully warped history to make self part of it. Like when we are hurt, like that is an incredible swing to take, you know? And I, respect it I just I do not like Lensman like appears in the film and like a, a, a gag you made during it we were constant I want to be clear we were constantly joking while watching Shower yeah. we thought we had so much fun we seemed like monsters <laughs> did Lensman invent irritate, uh, uh, like the irritating guy with a microphone chasing people mm. Michael Moore style of documentary. And, uh, uh, and, you know, a million other people. Morgan Spurlock. Like, Landsman draws more attention to himself in, in Visitor from the Living, and that is because that film is a single interview. Mm. Uh, Landsman does not feel like a protagonist in this film. No. At all. He feels like he is part of the machinery to get it done. Yeah. Like, he feels like an agent of the film rather than a character in it. Yeah. Um, we are so rarely, if ever, really let into his thoughts. Like the big, the times you read him is when he's pushing so hard against people's denial. Yeah, and you know? this is not a vanity piece by Landsman. This is something he dedicated his entire life to, and like was willing to put his safety on the line. Like in the scenes where he is surreptitiously filming these former Nazis, in one of those interviews, the dude fucking realized it. And that guy and his family beat the shit out of Landsman and put him in the hospital and destroyed yep. all his equipment. Uh, which, I want to be clear, is exterior knowledge. That is not at yeah. all in the film. Yeah, he, he, if he, that he, was in he, the film, it would be a worse, I'd, yeah, I'd agree be a worse with film. Yeah, but he, yeah. he, at no point does he like turn himself into a martyr or even no. particularly a character. Yeah, no, he, you could watch the whole film and not know that he is, oh, you, like, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> the Holocaust should never be used as an attack, uh, as an excuse to attack anyone. It is simply not right. And Landsman, a man versed in languages and generally very smart, should have known better. These people didn't get reduced to ashes for any man to make a career out of it. So go on, attack me. Like, I... It, it is it is interesting the slide, right? Because because I understand in Jacob's grievance yeah. a, a, as a, 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 as a man in a world terrorized by men a, a, in the left, a which is a world defined by hating men. I like kind of understand being like, but like actually, it's really painful to be made complicit mm. 
But that doesn't make me be like, say that Miranda July, all men for making the first bad man, you know? Um, do you, but here's the thing. Yeah. Jake, good taste. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Jacob. I, I don't know. No, you, 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 look, you, you, you and him, your buds now, you, 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 you're stuck into his letterbox DMs that that person on Vulture was, no, Gorka was trying to argue should exist. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, now this, uh, good set of four. One, a very new film. So new it's not out in New, new Zealand until next year. Uh, Licorice Pizza. No. Uh, Memoria. No. Uh, is, is it playing it in the shade? No. Okay. Um, Oh, uh, uh, it is a. It's a bit of a fairy tale. A bit of a fairy tale. Gone wrong. It's about a deck of hearts. It's about a deck of queen of hearts specifically. I feel like this is one of the ones that's obvious. Yeah, it's a prequel work film. Before he was confidential. It just sounds like you're saying words now. It, it stars. Someone from Twilight. Oh, oh, right, Spencer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, before it was confidential. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Spencer Confidential, bad movie. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, you don't like it. Uh, another one is a film uh, that we'll be talking, uh, hopefully, about next week at the second Daniel Shayton Sound Shayton Show Down for the Crown uh, 2021, 3.0 plus 1.0.1, Thrice Upon a Time. Is, is it one that both of us have already seen? Yes, ages ago. Ages ago, okay. Early, it was in the last Oscars. Is it about a land? Uh, yeah. Is it about a land with nomads in it? No. Okay. Uh, there's one real mad in this land. Uh, is it another round? No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> not that mad. I'm talking about, like, a mad person. Oh, is it the father? No, no, no. This guy's real cross. Uh, uh, Judas and Black Messiah. <laughs> no, I, I made the mistake there of focusing on not one of the main characters, but like the biggest supporting character. Uh, it's a family film. Family film. I mean, gotta people, be honest, it sounds like the father. <laughs> people like this, t- but I think they're plants. The Odd Life of Timothy Green. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, it is just hard to work out. There was a big controversy about it qualifying for awards. Uh, beginning of this year? Yeah. It was in the last Oscars controversy. Uh, what, uh, 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 what, uh, sorts of awards was it nominated for? Uh, acting and maybe, I think writing and directing as well. It was, it was, it was, it was a, it was it was a biggie. It was a biggie, okay. and, and yeah, a, a goodie. Yeah, I just cannot think of any movies that were in the Oscars and The Father or Judas and the Black Messiah. No films. Oh, but no, oh, okay, no, it's, it's not. No films whose names are plants and are about families. Like any plot. Roses. Yeah, you got. Yeah. Uh, 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 and has a mad person in it who drags across. Oh, right, right. It's, it's Minari. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, it's been so long since I've seen Minari, but I've basically forgotten it. We were being pretty good. No, I, yeah, no, good. St- Stephen Yun. Yeah. Good job. Uh, uh, the next one is, was made by Jesus. It was made by Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, go in the show. And the job. Uh, remember John Carpenter? Dang. Is it the thing? No. Nah. Uh, early, middle, late period. Oh, early. Early. Uh, Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Dang. And the next one is, after Avangelion, <laughs> the next anime I'm going to make you see. Uh, uh, Cowboy Bebop. No, no, no. Film. Film, film. Oh, no, no. Like, no. Uh, now, this is more you. There's a lot of, like, blood and people going insane in it. Uh, 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 is it Death Note? No, no. Uh, make someone. <laughs> God, I love it. Is it some Gundam shit? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's a psychological drama. Psychological drama. I have definitely recommended to you. it to you. It's a Satoshi Kon film. Oh, okay. Uh, is it Millennium Actress? No. Is it Paprika? No. Okay, you got it's two no- more. Okay, it's not Tokyo Godfathers. No. Um, <laughs> What's the, the other fuck. one? Are you going to suddenly remember his miniseries oh, or his gosh. shorts? Uh, okay. Shoshi Kong, Millennium Actress, Paprika, Tokyo Godfather. I, th- that is so interesting to me because that Paranoia Agent, it's Par- not right. that. Yeah, no, 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 Paranoia no. Agent, okay. Which is his miniseries. But like, this is, if you said Satoshi Kon to me, this is the film I'd go straight to. Right. It yeah, is, I, it's I, the I, most fun film. I cannot remember. Per- it's Perfect Blue. Oh, Perfect Blue, right. Yeah. Uh, and oh, yeah, that, 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 that's the one that people think Black Swan is a ripoff of, right? Well, he, like... Aronofsky, like, paid for the rights to it to like, be, you'd be able to use stuff. In, in Requiem for a Dream. And, oh. like, like... Okay. Uh, you can see... And Paprika is the one that people say Inception is a ripoff of. Yeah, and yeah. in both of those cases, it, it, it is, like, that's people being, um... Philistines? No, like, people not quite and get, like, because, yeah, not, like, a, a, a black swan at it is clearly uh, uh, made by someone who has seen Perfect and liked Perfect Blue. Right, yeah. But uh, and, and and like playing in the same ballpark and, and like like Paprika didn't invent the concept, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but and, and like that, like the tragedy of it is like people saying that it's the plot of Perfect Blue. Or Khan's films that's being sold when it is like his style that is that is the the majesty. Yeah, no, they're all like heartbreaking that he died so young. But I have not seen Paranoia Agent. But all four of those films are like like Perfect Blue and Paprika are like six star films. <laughs> yeah. And, and like Millennium Actress is a five star film, and Tokyo Godfathers is like a four star film. Like it, it, it's an incredible run. Mm. Um, I I strongly recommend uh, uh, checking them out. Uh, if uh, uh, Perfect Blue is essentially a horror film, like it it gets pretty extreme and upsetting, right? Uh, um, uh, uh, in ways that are quite surprising. So uh, be careful going into it. But the, the rest of them are, are, are fine. Anyway, let's uh, normally here, uh, we would say where Showa is in our list of films. Yeah. I, I haven't ranked it. 
So I have, but it was fully arbitrary. I, yeah. I, I I just put it somewhere in my top ten. I think I put it at number seven. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, I've I've not given this a I've not given this a star rating on Letterboxd. Not not sure how to rate it. It's it's incredible. Everyone needs to watch it. But yeah. Well, and and just like sound. It, well, like as a film, it's sound, uh, and, and like I I could easily rank it as a film. The reason I I bounce off putting it on that list is because it is it is also an act of historical record mm. uh it is explicitly named as such within the film and, and yeah for me this is me talking about this is not at all an argument with yeah. you this is my neuroses is that i like i don't want to be in a position where i have to be like yeah no uh a historical record of the holocaust isn't as good as Children of Men. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for like a lot of the films that we've watched, we can do like a pretty thorough like summary of it. We can't do it with Shoah. As many like scenes as, as we have described, there are like an, an, another dozen each we could have talked about that are just as moving and just as like brilliantly structured and just as like heartbreaking. Well, and, and, and like compelling and, and like, transparent yeah. not not honest or real there is a moment in, in one of the like surreptitious interviews where where, where where this former Nazi prison guard sings a song to Claude Lanzmann that, he, that, that, that him and the other guards used to like sing to Jews as they were, as they were like you know as they were like leading them around the camps and stuff he, sing, he sings the song and then just looks at Lanzmann and says you're the only Jew alive who knows that song and then starts laughing. <laughs> and like, how, how, how do you... Re- yeah, like it is a transparent film, which is not like Lensman... stars Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> no, the f- he's not in the film, because... Yeah. Remember, he's a bad one. He's a baddie. Yeah. yeah um, he, 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 even though he was in Muppets from Space, he still turned out bad. Yeah, that development arrested. Um, anyway. Uh, uh, is, is that like Lensman is obvious, uh, like, like doesn't actually really, it, it is a good documentarian. So understands that, that there is no truth in cinema. So that it's not like this film is like trying to be real yeah. or honest, but what it is, is clear. Like, like him being present, seeing him interview people sometimes or just walking around. Uh, uh, there's a lot he has kept in a lot of people looking at the camera yeah. or, or, or technical errors. And, and that is just so we are aware of the frame. We are, uh, we are so aware of how edited it, it is. We are kind of aware of how false it is. Mm. Um, um, yeah, it's just. Like, like you should watch Shoah because it's a good because it's a good film. Yeah. Um. Now, speaking of films that are good records uh, 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 of the Holocaust and good films, Uwe Boll's uh, Holocaust trilogy. Yeah. Um. So, uh, we we watched. Uh, so Uwe, uh, uh, of of. You know, of Blood Rain Two Deliverance, yeah, uh, 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 of this parish. <laughs> um, he he uh, was, I believe, making uh, Blood Rain Three, yeah, uh, which is just Blood Rain the Third, right? And was like, oh, cool, they will have 
uh, some, uh, uh, you know, there'll be a train station for, 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 uh, uh, victims of the Holocaust uh, arriving. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll build a kind of outhouse. We'll build a, a gas chamber. I can also use these resources. I think these, I think kids today don't know about the Holocaust, about the evil of Hitler, which is something Landsman rejects. Landsman has no interest in Hitler. Yeah. Uh, or the evil of the Nazis. It's about it. Any, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it is about like the like experience of individuals in the Holocaust and how it adds up to a greater picture. Yeah. Rather than just be like, oh, here's the guy who did it. Well, and, and like how the Holocaust what uh, uh, could only happen because of like complete conflicting humanity, yeah. you know, like com- the complexities of humanity. Uh, but but Uwe uh, was like, no, kids don't know these days. So I, I'm going to shoot a, 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 essentially a recreation uh, of a couple of groups of Jewish prisoners being brought to Auschwitz, uh, like processed and then put into the chambers and gassed, and then their bodies burnt. And she shows, like, two lots of, uh, uh, two lot, two, like, two groups of Jewish people going through that, and then uh, that's the movie. Uh, with interviews with kids on, on either end of that. Yeah. And, and, and while he was, he was making those two, he was like, why not make this a trilogy? Yeah. Uh, so oh, I, I've still got these sets for another 15 hours. Uh, so what he also made is a scene-for-scene parody of Blood Rain the Third Reich, uh, but instead of uh, rain, uh, the uh, uh, as, as the vampire, the the human vampire hybrid mm. who kills vampire Nazis, it's Blubberilla, yeah, a uh, fat woman, yeah, uh, who like spends sixty to eighty percent of this f- of the film eating. Uh, like, like sub gi- sandwiches. giant salamis, yeah, giant salamis, and um, and it's it's got the same cast as yeah, it it it, it is it's uh, the exact same cast essentially as uh as Blood Rain the Third. Yeah, like. they've swapped out the leads. Yeah, that, uh, that, uh, that's it. Uh, and Auschwitz uses it's a lot of the background actors. Yeah. They were they were all clearly shot at the same time. I would not be surprised if they were all shot together and. Two weeks. Yeah, we watched all of them. We were gonna watch all of them immediately after Shower. Yeah, but but but, but like then it felt like uh, watching fourteen hours of Holocaust movies in one day would be a bit much, even for us. Well, and especially because uh, across all three of these films, as we discussed with Blood Rain Two, as 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 we could discuss about like the the joke of us doing. Bowling for Columbine, or or you know the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, is this? Yeah, there's nothing to fucking say. No, his his films are entirely uninteresting, and like, and it's because they are. Uh, uh, it's because they exist to take advantage of of tax loophole of tax loopholes, or, or and and they're lazy. Yeah, like that that they are they they're lazy and like like calling them. Dull. They were shot on film, but they don't look like it. Yeah, it, it it's not even that they're dull or boring. They are. Mm. It, it's that they're just like. It's that they are less than the sum of their parts. That I have never, 
I, I, uh, the more ball I see, the more I am surprised. Yeah, so I, I, I've now seen five of his films. How, 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 how many of you seen? Let me just uh, give a quick check yeah. here. Uh, okay, 33 films. I have. And you've w- seen all of them. No, yeah. In the theaters. This is, I've seen four. I think I've, cause I, I've seen obviously, well, yeah, the two, two of the blood rings, yeah. uh, uh, and, and the blubber's realer. Um, I believe I have seen alone in the dark. I, okay. I have seen postal. Um, and is there another one? No, like the, the, the thing that, yeah, the more I see them and I, I want rampage. The one everyone says is goodish. Yeah, which which is the like one I've seen. Yeah, it's it's, it's like a it's like a two star movie. Yeah, I'm, I I, I want to watch that. I'm I'm interested in seeing that. Um, it, like it, it, it's it's just a sort of like a, a morally ugly as all those other films, but it but it's like shot outside mostly <laughs> and and it like and and like and like Brendan Fletcher. Does a lot less talking than he does in uh, in in Blood Rain Free or or Blubberella. Oh man, I, like it's really surprising to me how mimetic he is uh, uh, and his films are because they, there are you know there are dozens of other films like this yeah. where they you know they have you know we there's a stunt sequence at the beginning there's a stunt sequence at the end you have one day each for those maybe two and, and, and then you have four more days and on each of those locations you shoot a quarter of exposition and it's just people talking yeah and it is just people reiterating the plot and there's nothing like outrageous in them like there's nothing except for blubberella like yeah but that yeah. is like a we like even the scene where blubberella has a dream that she is like having a sleepover with Hitler, played by Uwe himself. Yeah, is uh, like uh, yet, yet another example of of the of the director casting themselves as the worst person in the film, uh, just like yeah. Scorsese and Ferrara. Yeah, uh, and but it is like even that scene is like not, but like boring. Like mm. the most energized I felt, or like like reacted. Like the most reaction I felt, yeah, is uh, in the blackface sequence. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is, is when the the two bits of blackface in in, in Blubberella, which are extended, <laughs> like yeah, and like it, and it, it's like there is a like three and a half minute long scene, which is just a parody of Precious with one of the people from RuPaul's Drag Race in blackface yeah. as Precious's mum. And Lindsay Hollister, the woman playing Blobberella, in her precious role. Uh, Lindsay Hollister is not blacked up. No, only, uh, no Will- it's just, just, just Willem. Yeah, Willem. Willem Billy from season four. And of course, uh, Race Chaser, the Rob recap podcast they do with uh, Alaska F- Thunderfuck. On, on Lindsay, on Blubberella herself, I do want uh, uh, to read you uh, a section from the Blubberella Wikipedia page. I will just read you the whole of the reception section. Uh, uh, the film received negative <laughs> reviews. In an interview with Pop Zara's Brittany Vincent, Hollister said she took the role because of diminished opportunity for large actresses to find work in Hollywood. Mm. I've been doing this for 10 years, 
While I've been extremely lucky to play some amazing characters, I've watched the roles dry up, and I've even been shut out of even auditioning for many character roles because I'm too large. This movie would have been done with or without me. It would have been a lot more offensive if I hadn't done it. But I, I didn't win the war about the title. I hate that. Like, when your lead actor offensive appearing in your film is they would have made it with or without me. So I, I'm going to like uh, very quickly talk about the plot of Blood Rain Free, and then that will count as us talking about the plot of Blubberella as well. Yeah. So uh, Rain, you know, last time we saw her, it was the Wild West. Now it's World War Two, and she is fighting alongside Resistance members as they capture a Nazi train. And in this opening raid, she uh, bites a commandant. Uh, he, he becomes a vampire. And then he starts making other Nazis into vampires. And then there's a bunch of Nazi vampires. Uh, basically, uh, she has to try and stop uh, the scourge of Nazi vampires before Hitler gets his hands on the vampire blood and can yeah. make an army. Because uh, Clint Howard is yeah, a, an, yeah, a Nazi scientist. Because Clint Howard, essentially playing Joseph Mengele, uh, uh, yeah, that's giving a lot of credit to Clint Howard's wins. Yeah, like kind of, like, yeah. yeah so uh, I, I am, uh, so now in, in like lieu of talking about Blood Rain or Blubberella too much, I'm just going to read my letterbox reviews of both movies. Yeah. Things Blood Rain the Third Reich manages to make boring. Vampires, Nazis, Nazi vampires, gay sex, straight sex, swords, guns, a vampire holding a gun and saying, Guten Tag, motherfuckers. Which is the final beat of the movie. Yeah. Ben for Blobberella. Uwe Boll remaking his own Blood Rain the Third Reich as a wacky comedy about a fat woman. A level of blackface that is both bizarre and entirely unsurprising. Maybe one good joke of the whole thing. Clint Howard is fairly watchable. I watched Blobberella right after seeing Shoa, and this felt longer and more draining. I don't think it's as great a shot as going from Al Pacino to Travolta. Hmm. But... The move from, from like Landsman's so precise decision on how you represent the Holocaust. Yeah. To just uh, uh, a sequence that ends with the, the joke that uh, a group of freedom fighters aren't going to save a Jewish, uh, 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 Jewish prisoners in like a cat, in in like a cattle car of a a train because they're too ugly and they smell bad. Yeah. It, it, and, and like, I, I am not anti black humor, Mm. like dark shit. Yeah. The problem with that joke, you, you can absolutely make jokes about the Holocaust. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, which there are a couple of in Shoah. Yeah. Yeah. But it is just not like it is so you need to understand the importance. Yeah. Like you need to understand what you're playing with. And like Uve made a whole film trying to show he understands the importance of it. But like he he chooses uh to attack these weird parts uh, of it. And like part of that is part and parcel of the fact that he is making a parody of the film he's making at the same time. Yes. Uh, uh, off it, presumably being like, like they set up a camera, do a take from one film, then do a take from the next, from the other. Um, and, and it is, it is startling, boring, and like upsetting it is mm. 
to to see someone just uh bork it <laughs> you know mm. like so and like it's not even out you know no. Ugh. and like blood rain 3 is nothing it yeah. is it's like blood rain 2 just deathly fucking boring like it it exists to fill shelves at video stores yeah I don't think even people who like things like this like that would no. watch it like cuz it has you know uh uh like the the idea of the blood rain consumer which is I just I just like films about sexy half vampires killing mm. people it's just like it but it doesn't whip no it's not hot no and it's not cool it it it, it is just like it's lazy and talking about it any more, either of those films is, but it, it like, it's like, what is this? Like, there's so bad. It's good, you know, and beyond that. And, and, and yeah. And, and like Uwe's films are not that. No, it, there's not. Like he, he, he is not Neil Breen because like Neil ne- ne- has a fucking vision. He is dedicated to making a specific film. Yeah. And Uwe is just like, laziness and like just like like a, a, a like a boring sort of amateurish well and it is like the lead of, of of blood rain her name is uh natasha mel yeah it, it, it is so flat yeah and so quiet and, and i am not saying this is an attack on her performance i cannot judge her performance but all i can see looking at it is like oh Uwe Boll's directions to actors like stand over there, stand over there, say your lines, yeah. you know, like there, there's no, there's so many things in her performance where someone just needed to be like, okay, great. We just need it like a little louder or mm. a little quicker or just like, what if you're just feel it more? Just, you know, like, yeah. like, like, like basic acting. I'm not talking about like someone who's like, Okay, cool. Let's play a game. Let's be in this room together, yeah. you know? Um, and, and the like main thing that Blobarella has over Blood Rain, apart from the fact that it is in such bad taste that like it, it kind of makes you pay attention occasionally. Yeah. Is the fact that like Lindsay Hollister is, is going for it. It's not, yeah. it's not good, but, but she is like, she has energy and she's giving this really big performance that, that like, that like suits the film. I'm about to check. I don't think I've seen her in anything else, but I said this to you, but like, I could absolutely believe that she is good in other things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, she's in Pee Wee's Big Hot. I yeah, have. She, she, she's, in, she's in Get Smart. Yeah. Don't yeah. remember her in that. Uh, uh, and a Cinderella story, uh, with, with Hilary Duff and Postal, of course. Um, oh my God. Oh no. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, she's just been also been in a film where the title, uh, has the T slur in it, but anyway. Oh, yeah, who, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you were telling me about that one the other day. Yeah, I, not actually, that was the biggest run of adrenaline I had watching the film. I read you that because I was just listing names. I said the T slur aloud without really thinking about it, and then I panicked. All oh, right, and, and uh, right, and you you you're reading that because because that's another film that Will and Belly was in. Yeah, so they've 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 started two films together. Is, maybe they're friends. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, Willem Billy from A Star Is Born. Yeah, him, him and Dave Chappelle. I, like, like Willem Billy has apologized in this. Right, like yeah, it's yeah. not, and 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 Dave Chappelle still hasn't apologized for doing blackface for so many years. <laughs> Incredible joke, but yeah. Uh, so just like absolute, there is nothing of interest in either of these, and even. Yeah. And if you, uh, the thing I just really want to stress is that if you're like, you're not, but maybe Blubberilla, that film sounds crap. It's just not. There's, yeah. there's nothing to it. It is such wasted and, time. Like, and, and, and unless you run a Tumblr account where you're trying to cancel every person who's ever appeared on RuPaul's Drag Race, which I'm sure someone out there is doing. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, like r slash RPDR drama. It's a, it's a good place to go. Ugh. Um, Horrifying. I mean, a lot of them um, have I'm, done some I'm, pretty. I'm, I'm sure they have. A lot of them are gr- like, a lot of them are great. Watch the finale of Canada's Drag Race season two. Mm. It was lovely. Uh, sadly, the show is over now, but I'm I'm writing an essay on that. Uh, uh, sign up for my newsletter at bit.ly slash youthalived. Going to relaunch it with a uh, essay on why Drag Race is over. Mm. But yeah, let's just knock those two on the head. Uh, yeah. Shite, shite. I have ranked. Okay, this is, hmm, this can also be our, our, our path into, we, huh, here, uh, as for rankings, uh, here is my bottom 10 of right. all the films we have watched, plus Force Majeure, uh, Guilty of Romance and Coldfish, and not Showa or Neil Breen's Vibe Feature Film Retrospective. Holmes and Watson, Auschwitz, Food Fight, Paparazzi, Sarkeesian Effect, Blood Rain 2, Blood Rain the Third Reich, The Test, Crash, Blubberella. Yeah, so my, uh, my, uh, my, bo- my bottom 10 from 10 to 1 is Mickey and Maud, Blubberella, Gotti, Over Her Dead Body, Food Fight, Blood Rain the Third Reich, Blood Rain 2 Deliverance, The Test, The Sarkeesian Effect, and Auschwitz. Yeah, no, that's just not worth it. Just- I, 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 and, and of course, Neil Brent's Five Film Retrospective is on there, but it's not on Letterboxd. But, like, Auschwitz is interesting, because it starts, the beginning of this film is, 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 it, is a, like, seven-minute-long disclaimer by the director, <laughs> yeah. in both English and German, yeah. saying why he's making the film over a- archival, actual footage uh, of uh, dead bodies yeah. from the Holocaust, which is, uh, like, Obviously, on the face, prima facie upsetting, but like, it, it is so, it sucks so much, man. Yeah, like, like Lord Landsman is not like the be all and end all when it comes to like how to represent the Holocaust cinematically. No, not it, at all. But, but like his, his whole take on it is there is no reason to represent the Holocaust. We do not need to see the archive footage. We do not need to see recreations because both of those are lies. And can do nothing except like obscure the truth of the actual horror that went on. And like even seeing the like worst, grossest archival footage just turns it into a spectacle. Yeah. And even since before Showa came out, like Lundsman was like was 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 like researching, like spend like spend like years like like researching and like reading every single like 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 reading every single like book. And academic article he could find on the Holocaust, and he was like publishing essays about it. 
in the like lead up to show being uh, being being released. And, and, and yeah, and, and his, his take was just unequivocally no reason ever to, to like, to show or depict the Holocaust. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and within the first like 30 seconds, Uve's just like, here's some dead bodies in piles. And, and, and obviously th- there are cases of works, both documentary and fiction, uh, uh that attempt historical recreation or, yeah. or the use of archive footage and, 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 some, uh, and, do it well yeah. and do it to an end. The biggest problem here is that Uwe, yeah, he's saying kids these days or, or, or don't, you know, don't know how bad Hitler was, didn't know what he was doing. And so, it, so, I, so I've made this film to like help teach everyone how bad the Holocaust was. And it, it feels, and, and attempting to do that by just being these People who have been turned into objects and destroyed. Look at the empty vessels from from whence their souls were removed, uh, uh, and, and their lives ended. It it, it feels so trivial. It feels yeah. it feels disgusting and feels it. And, but also, like I don't know, like. It, there's something interesting in, in what he's attempting to do here. Because he says, like, you know, they talk about hero. All the films are about their heroes or the villains. No yeah. one ever talks about the process. Um, so I just wanted to show that. Yeah. And so the, 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 the film, and, the film like, is that's bro- valid. Yeah. So yeah, the film is broken into like four sections. The like first section is, is that like seven minute opening, like piece to camera <laughs> where he's explaining his intentions. Then the second bit is like ten minutes, and it's interviews with a bunch of of, of like German high school students, and and there's like Uwe off camera asking them what do they know about the Holocaust, what do they think went on, who was behind it, when did it happen, and and they're, they're and like all all of them are giving answers that are kind of like silly or naive or like just kind of off, yeah, or, or just slightly factually incorrect, yeah, yeah, and and like this this is like. Uh, like this, this, this is like another one of those things that kind of like gives you whiplash moving between the two films. Is you, you, you spend so long with Lansman and and his just like immaculate eye for framing a close up and like conduct and and like his 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 like intelligence of conducting an, an interview and, and, and yeah, knowing the question, knowing the right questions to ask. Yeah. To, to, to bring something out of someone. Yeah. Like, I mean, you move to this interview section, which is like a shot by Uwe and he's, and he's the interviewer and it's just ugly. The frames are bad. The questions are bad. He doesn't, it, it, he doesn't know how to shoot people well. A big thing about this film, for me, kind of almost the overriding thing about this film, uh, is that this film, uh, uh, I may have said this metaphorically about some other films. Oh, no, I, I've said it in person about some other films. I've not, maybe not said it on this, but like, I literally believe that this is the majority of footage that was shot for the film assembled together. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, it's 70 minutes and Some, something like that. Yeah. And, and there is maybe, 30 minutes of interviews running over the same subject and about uh, 40 uh, uh, minutes of recreation. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. So uh, after the first lot of interviews, there's the like actual body of the film, which is like 45 minutes long, which shows uh, like two groups of Jewish prisoners being brought down to its processed, gassed, burned. And then after that's happened twice, yeah. it, it then goes to 
more interviews, which... Uh, so they like Sorry, uh, just uh, uh, like it goes through that, but it is like it's all very slow and jarring, mm. and, and you just get like you get the sense that he's trying to be contemplative. Yeah, but I also think that he is like I this I got funding to make a a feature film. Like it, it feels like almost every time someone accuses something of being padded, they're they're wrong. Mm. Uh, they're, they're misidentifying a problem, but like this is one of the most padded films uh, I've ever seen. And like, like it is, it's padded with footage from Blood Rain: The Third Right, yeah, which feels immoral. <laughs> um, but it is just like everything lingers way past it. Yeah, it's That's so. Like- it's like. It's not even boring. It's like numbing and irritating. It's like a headache. Yeah. But so the like basic structure of a film, I, I, I like don't think is necessarily a bad idea. It, it, it is not at all. It, no, no, it's, no. Like, it's, it's, it's a like, good version of this. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's like, it's a fairly basic structure. Just like, here is what I think an issue is. Here is a demonstration of the issue. Here is my response to that issue. And then you like close it out with, with, with more interviews or whatever. But like, the his his short film about the actual killing process in Auschwitz does not respond meaningfully to the like failures of knowledge that the people demonstrate in the opening and closing interview sections. The failings of knowledge they demonstrate all seem largely immaterial. Yeah, he starts with this thesis that kids don't know about it. Yeah. Kids don't know how bad it was. I you absolutely don't get that sense from any of the interviews. You no, it's the like they, they, they like they like don't know the years that it took place, or, yeah. or they, they, they like they, they 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 don't know exactly how many people died in the Holocaust. Yeah, but 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 there's no one who's like, oh, you have a Holocaust? Great, I I, I loved it. Yeah, and like even the the one of them who's like it happened in the 1800s. Yeah, it's like I can kind of understand making that mistake, but like they understand the gravity of what it yeah. is. Like it, there's no. There is one section where the interviews like approach interesting. Which is, I think, after the short film section, he like goes back to the interviews and he starts asking these kids about like what their parents or their grandparents like think about the Holocaust, and like that is like an entirely legitimate thing to talk to German teenagers yeah. about. Well, uh, that that's something people have made whole documentaries yeah. about, like in, the, the, in, that, in that, Germany and Austria. Yeah, like yeah. The, that, that's the sort of like question that like Claude Landsman would, would ask. Like he yeah. he he would want to know about like about how these children relate to the Holocaust through what they've learned about it from their parents and their grandparents, people who were like, alive at the time. Like, that's good and interesting. He asks, like, two people that, and their, their, their answers kind of suck. And, 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 like... Yeah, which is not their fault. Yeah. It's, again, like, a, a problem of, like, budget and care for, like, the, for, like, landsmen, like, gave a shit enough to, to like, push through and get all the footage that he actually needed to make this movie. Whereas you can tell that, like, Uwe went to one high school and talk to one classroom. Yeah. Uh, and shut it on his phone. Yeah. And then, uh, over one to three days on his blood rain, blubberilla set, shot it like shot a recreation of things that, that man- creation manages to be both, uh, like, Audrey. Like, no, but it is, it's like, it's both, it both l- is too explicit and not explicit enough. Yeah. Like, it, it like really like lingers on like, oh, here's some like naked old people. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and, and like, here, 
here's here's like a four-year-old getting shot in the head. We're going to show that from like two different angles. Wow. Uh, and, and, and like there's a lot of, in the gas chambers, yeah. people being gassed. But like his failure to engage with actors mean that those scenes are... It, it, it's just people sort of like ambling about and going, ah, like, <laughs> like, be like, thing they're like, they're like all the interviewees in, in, in show are keep hitting on is like, it is just the be like levels of grime and fear and desperation yeah. and brutality and just like how how just like and just like everything was was like cramped and overcrowded and disgusting and it, and like everywhere you went there was a smell that never fully yeah. leaves you yeah and you you and you you cannot get a sense of that in Uwe's film because he doesn't have like because he doesn't have the budget or the care to do any of that. And so there's like one shot where a bunch of like of, of the new prisoners are walking through the camp and there are some, you know, and there's like back of the shot, there are some other prisoners in the classic like striped pajamas. They're being forced to dig a hole. But the, the, but the pajamas just are just fully clean. They're like standing in the mud, like digging yeah. a hole and there's like no dirt on, on the cuffs of their pants or, or like w- w- when it gets inside the gas chambers, it, it's like, 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 because, you know, he has, like twenty extras, it, it it feels spacious in there. Yeah, it, it's this like big concrete room that's super clean, and there's like there are like twenty naked people from like ages eight to eighty. Yeah. They're just bumming around in this room, and occasionally, like they go, "Oh no, it's it's just it's nothing." It is well, and like there are basic filmmaking tricks to get around these yeah. things make, make the room smaller well or like <laughs> just pack people close together and shoot them in close up like yeah. there, there are like neither of us has made a feature <laughs> film and, and we could and, and it it is just it's so mis like it's not misconceived it's mis-executed and mm. it's executed exactly for the same reason all of his other films are in a way that like if this is the thing he fucking cares about you think this is the film he would direct like he cares about it yeah and and, like i i understand he had very very little resource uh uh, uh, and and, like like if he had more than a week to shoot this holy shit that's uh, uh what is he like oh my god but like he but like there are ways of doing this in that time that aren't like I I like I, yeah I said to you while watching it like I'm thankful we just show her because this so I know that I am not inured to the horrors of the Holocaust yeah yeah <laughs> because you just it just doesn't the 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 one bit that 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 got me is you see a young boy's body beginning to be burned and yeah. you see you see flames lick his body yeah and like like yeah that's like one but we're like oh okay they, they had like a prosthetic child's body made and you and you are seeing it being set on fire but it is also like it is so it is a moment of like they do and you see people's teeth being pulled out yeah those are moments but like their moment those are moments of like body horror from a 
from a almost like a splat stick, not splat stick, but it is. It's like from it's 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 like hostile, and it and that is so like it's just such an inappropriate choice. It's yeah, just, like if 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 you are going to dwell on the details of this, like and and, and the horror of it, like like do that don't just pick a couple of like real gross bits right to, yeah yeah the, like, the, 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 to 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 like actually do it justice how horrifying and awful this experience was the entire movie would have to be like that but like that's not a movie that is in any way marketable and and so and so uve can't make that movie uh, but at least that movie, like that movie, has a point existing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think people should make it. No. But like, uh, yeah, like uh, I, I, I have, I have no interest in seeing the Holocaust movie, which is just like an hour and a half of the of like the actual worst thing they have, worst things that happen to the Holocaust happening to people. But like, but that it, but that is a take for a movie. Yeah, and whereas whereas this just like takes the fucking middle ground. On, on like every single on like every single possible choice like i was so worried it was going to be relentlessly horrible yeah and, and miserable but it is it's shite is what i'm saying yeah it's it's super shite it, it's 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 i think the second worst film we've watched i i think blubberella is i like i i have it as the best out of the three uh, okay uh, which is to say, only the ninth worst we've yeah, watched. Yeah, so I, 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 I think the Blubberella is the best of the three. Uh, yeah, but that is because, I, yeah, I think there's a good idea badly executed mm. in Auschwitz, whereas the other two are bad ideas badly yeah. executed. You know, um, but it is like the main response to Auschwitz is like, how dare he begin and end this film? talking about how strongly he feels about these horrors and then just do such a lazy job. Yeah. Like it, it is so, it, it, so yeah. it ends up feeling like insincere and it feels like, like it's doing it for shock. Even like this, the scenes where we like, oh, okay, I guess he's trying to like, he, he's trying to like make a point in this scene. Like you've seen them done better a million times. Like in, in I, I think they're like second group of people getting gassed. There's like you know a shot of them all like screaming and dying inside the gas chamber, I mean it cuts outside to the like guard played by Uwe Boll, and he's just kind of like leaning against the door with his arms crossed. He's like looking down at the ground. Well, well you can see like in, in like small like glass window cans moving past and like people screaming, and like that could be just a monumentally affecting shot in a movie by a good director. Yeah, but but like or just or a bad director who gives a shit. Yeah, with him doing it. It, it it just it feels so empty and so cheap and sh- and so cliched. So Yufa, yeah. Would you like to hear a view of Auschwitz? Actually, no. Well, too bad. <laughs> this is a three and a half star review of Auschwitz. It is uh, the highest uh, rated review of Auschwitz on Letterboxd. Yeah, and even no, then, no, no, no one even as a joke gave us higher than three and a half stars. I've been waiting years to finally see Uwe Boll's take on the Holocaust. It was originally filmed. Okay, first off, uh, oh, yeah. uh, 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 sorry, I'm I'm reaching through my computer to slap you in the face. Absolutely, uh, uh, I should say this. This is written by uh, Letterbox user Nate. It was originally filmed around 2010, but never got a home release. 
making me scan the internet for a chance to see a German movie that nobody in the world seemed to want to see. I'm not, I'm not surprised it took almost eight years to finally see this movie, which was widely available on YouTube in its entirety, uncut, for over a year. If you're curious, dear reader, you can easily see it for yourself, though I might caution you against that. It is, after all, the harsh reality of the Holocaust, and it is, after all, Uwe Boll, a filmmaker not exactly known for subtlety and tact in his career. I was worried that Boll's Auschwitz, even that phrasing seems unduly unkind, would be a disservice to the men, women, and children who perished in that horrible atrocity. I'm relieved that Boll seems to have his mind on higher ambitions than exploitation, although I don't know how well the academic intent translates. It's less a movie and more of an educational special on the practices of a concentration camp and the mentality of the people sentencing others to their doom. I think he's trying to insert a JPEG into his into his review <laughs> here, so it says two six one dash Auschwitz dash stills dash one dash two three six two X one five seven five AS. Kale makes the same point in her review of Shower. As someone who has worked in education for ten years now, I can reaffirm that a distressing number of young people have a general ignorance about the Holocaust. I suppose part of this is inevitable with the passage of time. The more years pass, the less people can get to know the survivors and veterans of a war. As it recedes into the past, it becomes less pertinent and in some ways less real for many people. This is the reason why I personally include Holocaust texts in my school curriculum to check the knowledge level of students and build upon it, to make sure something this dastardly would not be forgotten. The early interviews Bol conducts in what appears to be a bathroom <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, appear to have a slippery sense of what, of what the Holocaust was about, as well as the cruel realities that befell those Hitler found as subhuman. But the latter interviews involve different students who have an amazing command of the Holocaust, even citing centuries-old incidents of anti-Semitism. There, 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 is, there is one kid in the like, second bunch of interviews who just like knows a lot, and it kind of fucks up the film. Yeah, he like the the this kid's clearly like a history nerd. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and he, yeah, he, he, he is, he is citing, he is like, he, he's like citing a whole bunch of shit. And you're like, Uve, why do you keep this? In? <laughs> yeah, this, this yeah, fucking yeah. kid's undermining you. Yeah, uh, it is the most compelling and interesting part of the film. Yeah, the kid's pretty good. Yeah, uh, if if you're listening, congrats. Uh, if if. If Ball's intent is to show that, that that his movie is needed, why include interviews of students who are not clear, who are clearly not ignorant of the subject? Good point, Nate. Uh, that seems self-defeating, even if I'm pleased that there are articulate, intelligent students out there. The biggest discussion piece will be on Ball's extended live-action recreation on the atrocities of Auschwitz. Recreating the crushing reality of a Holocaust is a delicate subject. Trying to find a line to to maintain respectful veracity to what the people have suffered through and steer away from exploitation frills that highlight the, the perverse depravity for titillation. Stanley Kubrick famously said, to make a Holocaust film that would do justice to the events would make it unbearable. Ball said in a 2010 Vice interview that he didn't want a narrative to dull the impact of his intents, citing Schindler's List and The Pianist as fine films but flawed because they attempted stories. Ignoring both of those personal accounts, I think Ball misses the importance of, of narrative a device that makes the horrors of history more palatable for viewing because of an accessible entry point. We focus on a character and their experiences, their character's journey, and how the events impact and change this person, which provides a rooting interest to maintain watching. The other unfortunate reality of purposely removing a narrative is that it makes the recreations seem constructed merely for their shock value. They exist not in the larger realm of the story, but as events meant to convey the horrific reality and nothing more. I think this was a misstep. Boll has handled real-world violence and genocide before, 
from school shootings in 2003's Heart of America, to mass shooters with God complexes, the Woebegotten Rampage series, to the genocide in Darfur, 2009's attack on Darfur. And the results have been decidedly mixed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes. His heart may be in the right place, but really do his message movies succeed at their ambitions. The messages often get lost amid the exploitation element, or Bol goes overboard to wake up his audience, leaning into the suffering in a manner that can come across as indulgent. This too happens with Auschwitz, as it seems Bol is unable to restrain himself with a subject as well known as the factory of death. One could argue that restraint dilutes the memory of those who died, but again it becomes a delicate balancing act to veer away from being pornographic. Bol's recreations are solemn and affecting. You can certainly see his reverence for the topic and his desire to do right. The on-screen depiction follows a group arriving at the death camp, being separated, led to a gas chamber, where the collection of women, the elderly, children, and the disabled choke to death on the fumes of poison gas. We then watch a handful of prisoners gather the dead, shave their heads, pull out their teeth, transport their clothing and shoes, and then dispose of the bodies in the ovens. It's impossible to watch for recreations of these panicked deaths and not feel something, especially when Bowl includes innocent uh, young uh, children uh, in the mix. Uh, sorry, no, it is, it yeah. is possible. Yeah, uh, we, we, we both did it. Yeah. Uh, we, we're strong and powerful. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrifying. And Bowl films the reality of these scenes in an admirable docudrama style. The nudity is not played for titillation, but as a means. Imagine if it was. <laughs> Um, like that is the bit of Uwe he he restrained and we can be glad for that but like oh my god the nudity is not played for titillation but as a means of showcasing the vulnerability and humanity of the victims it's not shied away from but Bowles camera doesn't make a point of finding it either granted the close-ups especially once the gas hits seem to predominantly feature the painted grimaces of women but I'll chalk that up to Bowles viewing distressed women as more emotionally powerful the people featured during these sequences are also admirably ordinary. These people look like who you would see walking down the street. They don't look like models who are hired because their nude bodies would be something the audience would desire. There are children, and they too are seen with the same vulnerability in the nude. Though I'm sure the inclusion of naked children will sabotage any noble intent for some viewers. However, Bowles' inclinations can get the better of him. Like the majority of, of his more high-minded message movies, that can transform into pulpy genre fare. There are moments where Bowles just goes too far. Here is another instance where a lack of narrative is harmful. Without a story, without characters, this presentation is just nameless innocent suffering. It's indulgent. And indulgence built upon human suffering is just bad. Boll's limited budget also constrains his ambitions. He filmed Auschwitz simultaneously as he filmed two other movies. Even for a workaholic like Boll, making three movies at once is insane. This might be why the live action section only amounts to 35 minutes and involves minimal dialogue. There are only three credited actors, including Bol himself, as an SS guard. The, the symbolism of director as participant seems ripe for dissecting. There is one extended sequence where two SS officers discuss mundane small talk, hammering home the banality of evil, but it's right back to another gas chamber sequence from there, the director's true preoccupation. The Auschwitz camp was half the size of Manhattan. What we see on screen is a pittance. It feels so incredibly small. It makes me wonder why Bol felt the need to draft off the name recognition of Auschwitz. This setting could have been any concentration camp, as the gas chamber outcome was not unique to Auschwitz. And that is really the only thing visualized in his recreations. It's not life at the camp, the struggles of survival. It's only a quick march to a painful death. There is no reason this had to be Auschwitz. Even with misgivings, I do think there can be academic value to what Boll has put together. Written accounts and stories are a valuable tool, but sometimes a visceral and visual demonstration 
can bring to life history for people in powerful and valuable ways. This movie could rattle people and stay with them years after viewing, translating the horrors of the Holocaust in a way that is blunt, direct, and reverent. However, Bowles' yearning for profundity comes into direct conflict with his schlocky, exploitation-loving impulses, which pushes him to prolong the on-screen misery in the name of staying true to how it was. Without a narrative to provide a foundation, the movie becomes an uneven documentary with bouts of strained intensity. I wouldn't judge this movie as harshly as Bowles' Rampage films. I sense his noble intents. There is even a maturity with, with the filmmaking that I don't think a younger Boll would have found. Ultimately, Auschwitz is more supplemental teaching tool than movie, and to that end, it might indeed do some good. Pro- proving that even Boll can make the world a little better. C+. I don't think Auschwitz is an acceptable teaching tool. No. Regardless of quality, and that is because it is uh, also, like, wrong. Like, like, like the uh, gassings were gender segregated. Their hair was cut before. Like yeah. it, it is. Um, it, it fails as a historical document. Yeah, and, and not in a like, oh, ding! They're wearing the wrong uh, boots with that uniform thing. It is that this is Uve is 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 creating the like like fantasia mm. or like the 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 mind space version of of these events and that what is the point of that? yeah it, it, it's it's a it's a failure in terms of fact it's a failure in terms of scale it's a failure in terms of like intensity and harshness yeah yeah it, it is it is useless for what it is trying to do uh, would, would you like to hear? Uh, would, would you like to guess at four films? Yeah. Okay. Who are you? are a teacher, poet society. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, a live poet society. No. The first one on the list is this film is set in the 20th century, but uh, there was at least one shot with a live pterodactyl in it. This is a film with no fantastical elements. Okay. But uh, just as a mistake because of some reused footage from another film, uh, there, 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 uh, there, is, okay. there is a pterodactyl in the background of, 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 this, of, of this drama. Oh, man. I do not know that piece of trivia. Decade is this film uh, from? This is, uh, this, this is from the 1940s. Uh, okay. So is it uh, 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 American? Uh, is it, uh, ooh, like drama? Yeah, it's a drama. Yeah. Is it like, uh, family drama or like political? It's, it's got political stuff in it. So, uh, modern? Modern day? Yeah, yeah. Contempt? Okay, great. Uh, uh, I presume it is in black and white. Yes. Because yes. it's from the, the 40s. Um, all right. Is it, do, do you like it? Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. This movie's got one of my guys in it. Oh, okay. Or is it Orson? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Is it Kane? Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so the, right at the beginning of the film, we, 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 when, when you see Xanadu for the first time, uh, so some, some of the like footage in that is, uh, is repurposed footage from the original King Kong, I think. And so you can see it's like a pterodactyl kind of like flying in the background. Oh, wow. 
I yeah, I I do think there are fantastical elements in that film now. Do you know okay, things a rich like person suffering consequences, <laughs> newspapers being a sustainable business, you know, things like that. Do you ever just think of uh, that like great joke in Citizen Kane where the like first time they go to see his his ex wife, the camera like lowers down through a skylight into the bar where she's working, and then the next time it goes to see her, uh, the camera like does it again, but the skylight's broken this time. I I don't often think oh, about it, it's so but good. it's good. That Orson Welles, he's got a real future. <laughs> yeah. The second film on Nate's top four is a film that uh, you think is overrated. Uh, recent? Uh, 80s. Back to the Future. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only 80s film you think is it. Yeah. Uh, okay. I love the Goonies is what I'm <laughs> saying. The next film is an animated film with one live action person in it. Uh, Wally. Yes. Fred Willard. Fred right? Willard. Rest in peace. Great guy. Uh, very funny section in The Aristocrats. Yeah. He does a great, great telling of The Aristocrats. And very funny section in every film yes. he appears yeah, in. Yeah, because he's Fred Willard. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he appeared in some dramas as well, but like, what happened? Oh, and Fred Willard. What a guy. Yeah. The uh, fourth of them on the list, uh, has a 2.6 uh, average rating on Letterboxd. And that's because, uh, a lot of people give it five stars. A lot of people give it half a star. Joker. I wish Joker had a 2.6. That's got like a 3.7. What the fuck? It, it is like entirely five stars, half stars. There is almost no in between. Okay. Is it recent? Uh, it's from this century. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, is it American? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a uh, superhero? No. Is it um, horror? Oh, is it? So it's a drama. Yeah. Is it good? Do you like it? Are you uh, five stars uh, or half star? I, I, I've not seen it. But, 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 but like, this is not a movie people are giving like genuine five star reactions to. Ah, uh, so it, it it's a bad film. Yeah. Uh, Birdemic? No. Or, um, or the Room? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing you forget about The Room is how boring it is as well. But at least it's... Uh, crazy. Oh, all right, Finn. Finn. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Now, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, who cares? You can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod, or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Why not check out our website? It's at ShiteAndSound.com. And if you like what I do, uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as YouthaLives. My newsletter, you can sign up for at bit.ly slash YouthaLives. I have two other podcasts. One is an eerie audio anthology called The Witching Hours, and the other is a relationship podcast where me and my partner watch Doctor Who until we die. That's called The Slow Path. Our theme song is The Nux by Kazam Blam. From Power of the Dog. Uh, what are you watching next week? Everything. Next week is the first part oh, of our yeah. year-end special. <sighs> Very exciting. I have to watch like 15 more movies released this year just so I can... And then uh, all the Evangelion movies, uh, just so I can uh, feel like I have uh, some sort of some sort of like actual uh, uh, like legitimate take on this year. Uh, uh, in in what I hope is the beginning of a new holiday tradition on on Saturday on the twenty sixth on Boxing Day, me and Finn are, g- are going to see the new Matrix film and yeah. then decide on the bracket. We're seeing it in IMAX. Yeah. It's very exciting. Uh, and, and maybe Macbeth if it's on that day. Yeah. Uh, if you like the show, 
why not uh, tell your friends? Yeah, do it. Maybe not start with this episode. Unless they like episodes where we're serious. No, let's start with one of, the, one of our episodes of a guest. You know, start with like, the, like Ben McGugan episode. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> well, I think we're getting good. We are quite the acquired taste, <laughs> but it would be especially this week, <laughs> I think. But I also do like... I kind of feel like we're doing the work here. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I feel like if you're a film shit and you be like, nah, shower... See shower. Yeah. If you have the money and you and you have a player that can play Region B Blu-rays, give give a give a Eureka video shower and four films after show a box set. Like it is surprisingly cheap and there is like just a ton of great stuff on it. Uh, and, and the four films after shower are all as good. Yeah. Um uh it, it generally leaves us to say movies are good. Especially the Matrix Resurrections, hopefully. Go watch it on Boxing Day, which is what we're going to do. 